Well, hello, everybody. You are listening to LLA on the new Tastemakers channel. As you probably know, we are recording a lot of this stuff uh, remotely to do what we can to flatten the curve of COVID-19. So let's just jump right in with our interview with Preston Gear. Hello. We're talking hello, sir. actor, writer, producer, and a degree in military history? Did I read that right somewhere? You, yeah, wow, you did your research, man. Why yeah. on earth, film and military <laughs> history, why on earth would we do that? Why would you, you do that? You know what? I think that I saw Saving Private Ryan when I was at a, at a very impressionable age, and I thought, it's got history, it's got the military, and this is a movie. That's what I want to do, and that's that's pretty much what took me down the path to doing both. And really, I, in all fairness, actually, I kind of got to the point where I was in school as I was initially a liberal studies major, did two liberal studies classes, did not care for it, um, but they were both transferable to history. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll get a history minor. And then I took a couple of history classes, fell in love with it. And then I was like, well, crap, I'm just going to ride this all the way and get another major. So my focus was on film. And then secondary was history. Now, is so. The secondary thing with history, was that something that you wanted or is that something that like your folks pushed? Uh, Get a real no, honestly, job type thing. I No, dude, I feel like I could have used that push. But no, it's uh, it was just something that I, I was interested in. And I just figured if you're going to spend money on your education, you might as well be entertained and interested in what you're studying. Um, in hindsight, though, history and film not super applicable educations to the workforce you're just <laughs> I, I could have had zero education and been in the exact same position i'm in right now so uh, that sounds 100 <laughs> percent right because there's some times where i'm just like you know what i'm glad that i went to school but also i could have used the extra four and a half years uh here being here right. for four and a half years auditioning and getting an agent and being on a Disney show as an 18 or 19 year old playing 15. Correct. Like, yeah. Instead there's a reason. Of, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. But you know, it is what it is. I don't regret going to school. I don't regret my degrees, but um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I see why people go to law school. Let's just say that it's like, Oh, you actually have a job waiting for you. Cool. <laughs> You're talking about your starting film? from square one. Yeah, your film, your the film degree didn't just instantly in a. <laughs> you walk out and you're like film degree. They're like you're in film. That's what you. Well, you know, at, at the time I thought that's the case because I, I so, so. By the way, like when I was, you know, I graduated. I graduated in 2009, so over over 11 years ago, I graduated, and the last thing I had to do was an internship as a film major, and so, you know, I heard how competitive it was to get a film internship. And you would have thought that like, it was like Hunger Games trying to get a cool film in internship. There was two people I wanted, to, I wanted to intern with. And I was like, I'm gonna reach out to those two companies first. If I don't get it, who cares? I got to aim high. The two people were Ridley Scott and Christopher Nolan. I reached out to Ridley Scott first. They called me the same day and asked if I wanted to be an intern. So I thought that I was like, so I was so cocky because I was like, oh, I'm I'm graduating, going to work at Ridley Scott Associates. I was like, I made it. Kid, you did it. This education was worth it. See, I made it. And then I realized what an intern was. And an intern's just free labor. <laughs> That's all it is. It's like you're unskilled free labor. And so that was a wake up call for me. I was like, oh, I guess I guess I that was that was a humbling experience. How long so. did you end up doing that? 
I was there for about uh, six months or so. Damn. Scott's. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I made some actually, I made some great connections there too. And I mean, I was, I was out of, well, after my, so it was an internship led to a temporary job. And then the the rush of other free labor came through and they're like, Hey, so we can keep paying you or we can get these, free, <laughs> this free labor from these college students. And so they kind of like booted me after like, you know, after paying me for a good while. So I, I have no complaints. It was nice to get paid and actually work there. Um, but I left and about six months after I left, I was working on a short film and it was the first short film that I was like fully producing out of pocket. Uh, it was a 30 minute short film. It's a Western. Uh, it was like a post-apocalyptic movie, a lot of work. And I was, what was that title? Wearing a, that was the outside paradise. So which, it was me. Oh, which yeah. I believe won some kind of award. Correct. Am I right? It did. Yeah. It won, it won a few awards. Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, it was, it, it kind of had a uh, short, but sweet, uh i want to say meteoric that's not right but like a very short but sweet uh success circuit in the, in the, in the film festivals it was uh i mean it got the first thing it got into was the con short film corner which was huge and then after that we started that opened up the doors that kind of gave us the the keys to whatever festival we wanted to submit to so i thought um but we got into la shorts fest with that we won uh hollywood fringe the hollywood fringe which is primarily for theater back in the day they had they had film they had a film festival as well so we won best short film at the hollywood fringe festival which was really kind of cool it was like yeah. an audience choice award so oh, wow yeah best uh best drama yeah, yeah yeah so it did really well but but so i was i was working on that and i was i was knee deep on on that project and again i had left i had left for scott six months before and then they called me and they asked me if i wanted to come back and work a permanent job and I had that fork in the road where I was like, okay, I can go back and work as like a receptionist or it was like a receptionist job. I could do that at Ridley Scott five days a week, maybe 50 hours a week working for his company or complete this short film, which is what I really wanted to do as a writer and as a producer and as an actor. So I was like, well, okay, do I pick the safe path or do I go down the unsafe, arguably more exciting path. And so it's kind of at this fork in the road. And I, I told really Scott, I was like, Hey, you know, honestly, I'm on this short film. We're shooting in like a month or whatever it was. And I just turned down the job, but they were super cool about it. They totally got it. And they were like, man, rock and roll, man, you make your movie. That's, that's really cool. You stay in touch. And I did. And they they've been, they were very supportive and very, and very cool. So don't really regret it. Plus it was kind of nice after, cause I still was in touch with those people years later. And I, I would see people quit right and left and just go to a different job. So was it was kind of like, I don't know. It was kind of reassuring that it wasn't like an upward mobile job that I knew other receptionists who quit or got fired and would go other places. So it wasn't like they were like, I'm going to receptionist. Now I'm an executive producer. Now they were, there wasn't a lot of social, uh, climbing going on in the in that job so it's kind of kind of a little bit of relief yeah well no so. i've i've been a receptionist for a while and you have to really um get lucky in a moving up world from that spot you know yeah because like too if you make yourself invaluable then you don't move you know what i'm saying right. if you become very good at being at doing it you actually don't move you don't right so you, you have you to made find a, somebody. 
you, yeah, you, you, well, you make a, you make a great point. That's, that's one thing that I noticed just from being a PA on set, you know, just being on set on different commercials and whatnot, whatever job you are in, that's the job you are seen as, if that makes Correct. sense. Uh -huh. So if you are a PA, you are viewed as a PA. No one's coming up to the PAs and saying, oh, so you're a screenwriter? Oh, you, you have acting aspirations as well? Oh, talk, you know, no one really cares. Your job is a PA. I used to work as a camera operator. I used to work as a grip. When you were on set, whatever job you hold, that's how people view you. And really, I don't blame them. That's just because that's the reality. And also, like, they don't have time <laughs> on a film set to come up and ask you about all your dreams and your ambitions. So you're a grip. You are seen as a grip. And if you get work from that job, um, it's going to be a recommendation as a grip on something else. Right. So I get it, but you're totally right. It's like if you're, if you're really good at, at being a receptionist, guess what? They don't want to lose you as a receptionist. You're not going out of, you're not going anywhere. You're just going to stay in that, that job, which man, might not be what you want to do. You know, you might not have gone to film school to be a receptionist. <laughs> so. I would say probably most films, <laughs> people going to film and getting a military history degree. They're not like, I'm going to be a receptionist. Right. I mean, a receptionist for Ridley Scott, if I was going to be receptionist, that's where I'd want to be a receptionist. No, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that or for like Quentin Tarantino or I don't know if he has a receptionist but you know like something like right. that where you're like okay all right this kind of thing but right yeah right <laughs> I like that you kind of did like a like a old phone patching like let me just <laughs> let me just dial you and you Mr. Tarantino all right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I envision Tarantino's like uh, secretary it's the right. old switchboard style or it's the old switchboard <laughs> Like 1940s, World War II, like track, cracking the Enigma machine, like cha 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 All right. Where can and, I patch your call? call? Where can I patch your call? Yes, absolutely. Where can I patch your call? Okay, Quentin Tarantino's give me office. 20 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's office. Hold, please. <laughs> Hold while I patch you through. <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk about... Um, we'll, we'll jump because we, we've done... You've done tons of stuff that I've seen here, uh, tons of things that I've seen too, uh, probably about a year and a half ago or so, maybe two years ago, um, you starred as Bullseye in a fan film Daredevil series. Um, Indeed. Tell us about that project. So you're talking about Bullseye, the man who never misses. So that was a Daredevil fan film project. We did a, a couple episodes of that, which, not to jump the gun here, but there is talk. There may be more episodes coming of Bullseye. Yeah. There may be more. Um, but yeah, it was it was essentially a fan film project. I initially did one one really long short film, and I thought I just thought it was going to be a a, a one off, just do one episode. That was it. But then uh, it got a lot of really positive feedback, and then I got some some uh, suggestions of what people wanted to see more of. And I was like, well, let's do another episode. And we did. And it had quite a lot of success. My buddy actually just told me, I was aloof to this, but apparently it made it to the Daredevil, like on the Daredevil Reddit page. And I went through this, uh, this you know, this chat list on Reddit or, what, or whatever you call it, the chat list, whatever, the Reddit list. But um, there was a lot of really positive feedback and people were, really pumped about it and they wanted to see more episodes. So, I mean, we might have to give them what they, what they want. 
Reddit, you know? dude, if you make it on Reddit, dude, you've you've done something because Reddit's like a cesspool of what people are talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it is just it's potential trash, but at the same time, people are right. talking about it, you know. So that's huge. It, they're talking about it. And again, like on, on Reddit, you I mean, listen, it's anonymous. You can talk trash. When I heard it was on the Reddit page, I was really kind of nervous. I was like, uh oh, <laughs> who did I who did I piss off? Like, what kind of trash are they gonna talk? But I went on there and it was all really positive. And there was a there was a few uh few cheerleaders for the project and they were really like really hoping that we did more episodes and so I've been talking to the the director of uh, Ricardo Prezelski, my good friend, and uh, we're talking maybe about getting some more episodes out there and just finishing like a an official first season of of Bullseye. Now, which did, um, was this something that because uh, that Ricky is who is that? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So did is that something that he wrote then, and that or did you guys write it together? Who who wrote it or who? who yeah, well, so who, I, well, so I I wrote it. Um, I wrote it. I acted in it as well as Bullseye, Boom. and then uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, also, my great. wife is. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. And then I pulled it, pulled in some friends and some family. My wife is in it. I had been married to her for three months at the time, and spoiler, she maybe meets her demise. <laughs> maybe, maybe she doesn't. You murder her, like I, I murdered her pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Because uh, I watched, she... I rewatched some of the clips and uh, just the thud, and then her just going boop, just right out. <laughs> yes. I was like, ah, yeah. there goes nailed her right in the back of the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, it was it was tons of fun, dude. And and I mean, it was just you know our our goal was to make it look like something that could kind of slip into the net the bullseye or the the Daredevil Netflix universe. And we did it back when I think at the time there was only like one season, maybe two seasons of Daredevil out at the time. And Bullseye, you know, Bullseye's a fan favorite, but Bullseye was not really on the radar of the yes. show. Yeah. So we we did, exactly yet. So we we did it um, before the third season of Daredevil, which that's when they brought in their version of Bullseye. And don't get me wrong, that was I think they did a great job on their show, of course. But I kind of still love, I'm still partial to our Bullseye though. He's just a little more, a little more fun, crazy, psycho, a total psycho. But um, we had a lot of fun just with the dialogue. You know, he was kind of like, I don't want to say he was like the Joker, but he's definitely unhinged. He's definitely a guy you don't want to be in the same room with. You know, that was one, that was one of the rules. If we had, we didn't have like a show by a show Bible or anything, but one thing we talked about was pretty much anyone who comes across his path dies. There's nobody is safe. They're gone, you know. Um, so if anyone ever does pop up in any future episodes and they happen to survive, we want it to really be a shock that this person was lucky enough to live to live another to live another day. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of but, this character being a psycho, um, is are you playing some types here, Preston? Are you because another one, and I guess it's necessarily not a psycho, uh, but in Halo's horns and tacos. You play Brutus, which is a a demon, I believe, right? That is correct, sir. He is he is a demon. I actually just made the joke today. It's like, okay, I've played Bullseye. I've played a demon. I'm in a short film this weekend called The Creep, where I play the creep, <laughs> an, another psycho. I'm tempted. I don't know if people do this. I'm tempted to put together like a psycho speed reel. Of all oh. my psychos I've played. <laughs> you have to, because then also too, 
another short, a nine minute uh, long one taker where you played a, a, I guess not necessarily a right out psycho, but some kind of killer of some sort, uh, like maybe a killer. I would say psycho is appropriate. Yeah, he was a. He's not as unhinged, yeah, as uh, right. Bullseye. <laughs> yeah, great. So, great asphyxiation is what, is what you're talking about. It's it's uh, my buddy Sammy Anderson. He wrote it. He directed it. Like you said, all one take from the perspective of the uh, I'm gonna do, excuse me, do bunny ears. Uh, which the audience body. can't hear. Yeah, the, uh, it's it's the dead body, but it's from their POV. Of course, you know, there's a twist. The body is mostly dead. <laughs> Let's <me> say. <laughs> Mostly it's dead, but um, yeah, the camera's all from the dead body's POV, which when my buddy told me he wanted to do that, I thought, okay, that could go, that could be brilliant or it could be horrible. It's very hard to pull that off and, and, and for, for it to feel like it's, like it's not a gimmick. Mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, it turned out and I was very, very happy with it. And, and it's, it's still making the, 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 the circuit right now. It's still going to festivals and whatnot, but um it's been getting really positive feedback from, from festivals and it's dark and messed up. And it actually got, I forget which festival was, it was submitted to. It got turned down from one festival, but then uh, my buddy sent me all, <laughs> all the movies that had been accepted, all the short films that had been, been accepted. And they were all like global warming projects or like, you know, movie uh, documentaries about uh, like genocide and all these like really heavy topics. And just (laughs) the idea of them watching our goofy comedy about two serial killers, two bumbling idiots who can't even kill a dead body, right? Just this dark comedy. Honestly, it just brought such a joy to my heart. (laughs) The idea of these guys sitting in in a dark room watching drama after drama after drama, like serious subject matter. And then all of a sudden, our our DVD pops in or whatever. <laughs> and they're like, this is not what we were thinking. This is not the, <laughs> the global thing of what we're, we're trying to do here. Uh, I hope it was a nice change of pace for him. That's all yeah. I got to say. It's like, hopefully, <laughs> you could only see so much drama, like real-life drama, real-life serious heavy stories stuff. with a message. Yeah. Heavy stuff. And then all of a sudden, you see two serial killers, which are just... Yeah, it's it's a dark comedy to say the least. <laughs> well, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was quite impressive too. A, because it is a nine minute one taker. Um, yeah. But then, B two because of exactly what you said, like the angle in which you're shooting it, since you're shooting from a dead body's POV, and basically they're hunched down on the ground, so everything is basically straight up, not straight up, but like you know, at a probably forty five degree angle or so, um, the entire time. And I was just like this. At first, I was like, oh, what are they doing? And then afterwards, like, yeah, no, that is exactly how you'd want to do that. And right, it, right. it ended up being, like, very good and, like, surprisingly, like, yeah, F, like, fuck yeah. That's, yeah. if you're going to do something like that, that's how you do that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, we, we intentionally didn't want it to look pretty, which, you know, sounds like kind of rock and roll as an actor. You're like, you're like, yeah, I want it to look grungy and ugly. And, like, I even, like, cut my own hair before I kind of buzz like the sides to make it look like a little a little patchy and it adds like I went a little too far with it in certain angles you can kind of see there's like pockets of bald patches like oh <laughs> went a little too far with my my method but um but you know you, you kind of like yeah we, we, we wanted to look kind of grungy and ugly and kind of dirty 
Um, but with that angle, there's some there's some angles where it's like <laughs> camera like goes just right up our nose because we're standing over this dead body and it's just looking right up at us. And uh, you know, again, we we want we wanted it to look kind of kind of dirty, but there's some takes where I was like, oh, that looks a little too dirty. I wanted to look a little more pretty than that. <laughs> As an actor, you're you're always a little more vain than you think you are. You're like, oh man, I, I wish he had used that take where I looked. Oh man, that that angle I looked so much better. And then you realize, oh, it's one take. Yeah, no, you can't. I can't you can't do cut that. away. Yeah, <laughs> you can't, you can't I, cut away that. What um, <laughs> uh, how many times did you guys do that? And how Dude, long was well, the process? Funny. Well, so we we because uh, I assume we you guys just, rehearsed. We did. So we rehearsed. Yeah. Um, we were just over Zoom though, because you know it was shot during the pandemic. So we were we 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 did a lot of rehearsals over Zoom, and then on the day when we were shooting, I forget. I think we went through it maybe, I want to say maybe ten times, maybe. But you know, because it was one take, we could just burn through it. So we were set. The lights were set, and you know, we would just we would just go. We would just start and go. I don't think we ever stopped on any take either. I think we we carried all the way all the way through um even when there was unexpected uh incidents that would come up like say you know the neighbors having like a ups delivery and they're banging on banging on their door and you know shouting and like neighbors fighting with each other and shouting we just we just played with it and so uh well i did I think... know in, in the take that i watched or the you know the final version there was definitely a car alarm that went off like probably two thirds yep. the way through and then just lasted <laughs> for like maybe 45 seconds straight. Yeah. And part of me was like, Oh, Oh, Nope. They didn't break. Mm -hmm. Nope. Not at nope. all. Keep going, man. You know, it's funny. Uh, Cause there was, there was some sound design that was added in post, but I think that car alarm was real. I think the dogs barking at some point, cause someone like comes to the door. Do I think the dog started barking that's real <laughs> you know so we just had we just had to roll with it which you know kind of you know it's kind of nice to be throwing those curveballs every now and again because you know it just kind of takes you away from the script and you can kind of just riff and play so. and be in that hey, moment I, for real can i ask you though i know this is like an interview with me you were in a feature film as well recently yes are you allowed to talk about it yeah i can tell yeah absolutely so i i personally just want to know well, I was able, so I actually worked it. So I was key PA for it, but then okay. uh, I was hounding them constantly about putting me in front of the camera. And so I was able to get in front of the camera um, <laughs> nice. about three days before we ended shooting. And so I was very happy about that. It was my first time um, working production this long because it was four, yeah. four weeks. So it was 20 days, four full weeks. Um, and it was a really huge learning experience for me. Cause I've been on other movies where I've been like, I'll PA for like two days or I'll come in and do something for a couple days. But like, just to do this for this long was like super eye opening and like how fucking like intense, like all the moving parts to make a movie. Um, but yeah. something that I will say that I did learn is the fact that something you said earlier is that like people will see you as whatever you're working at that moment, you know? And so therefore yeah. like, I don't want to PA again unless it's mm -hmm. absolutely necessary because then I'll get locked in doing that. And I found a rhythm for a while because uh, at first our key PA lasted a week and then there was no key PA. And then after the second week, they're like, Lenny, you're responsible for everybody. And so I was just wow. like, oh, okay, um, sure, I can do that. 
um but yeah. i knew the producer so that's why like so of course he was just like i know you letting i know that you can delegate and kind of rain down properly without pissing off everybody right right it's down in mississippi you said right yeah i was in jackson mississippi if you have a chance Ooh. to go do not <laughs> was it was it a horror film or was it uh, i'm just curious i'm just curious uh, i'm like what? no it's a, it was it was a it was actually it's like a it is like a timeless like drama so like we didn't have um there's no like cell phones somebody says that it was supposed to be like mid 90s there was no real reference to anything like that there's a, a telephone booth at one point that was used and so it's like oh okay so this is definitely not any time uh recent but it was like it was about this kid who um probably like 15 or 16 is searching for his real dad so he doesn't know who he, he was just like left in a in a field and so he was raised by these two people um who are like trailer park people you know like they got gotcha, you yeah. and so he goes off by himself and tries to find out who his real father is but like there's okay. one point it was what was wild is like the first week like the third day we're filming in this like um like plantation style house i mean this beautiful house big huge farmlands everywhere um cotton fields like that kind of stuff in jackson mississippi and it almost looks like it's an Amish family of redheads. So we have like <laughs> 10 or 12 just redheads on set. And so we're just like, what the hell are we filming? This is like, <laughs> so it's like an adult, adult male redhead. And then he has like, he has like eight, like 12 to 16 year old redheads. Wow. <laughs> it's just like, wow. this is probably most of the redheads in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Lenny Hernandez. There's, yeah, there's me. Just like, hi, um, can I? I just wanted to act. I didn't. I didn't want to be a PA. Sorry for taking this job. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I took it because, like, during the queue, during the quarantine, it's just like, fuck. I haven't really been doing anything. So, like, what the hell? Why not? And yeah. uh, my friend, who's a producer, was producing the movie. He was just like, you know, like, we'll house you. We'll, you know, pay you to come down, and you know, it'll be, it'll be whatever. I just because I didn't. I hadn't been on a film working production this that long. Like I didn't bring a rain jacket and it fucking rained like every, every other day. It fucking was yeah. raining. And so I had to like, oh, yeah. I didn't buy boots. We were outside in like mud. There's horseback riding in this movie, like all over the place. And so like, oh shit, we're in cotton fields. We're in like all that kind of stuff. And I was just like rocking my Adidas sneakers for the first few days. And I was like, I'm going to yeah. get some boots. <laughs> well you know it's funny dude because like you're from missouri yeah right so like i'm from southern california people always talk about how great the weather is here and i was always like what are you talking about weather is weather dude you start to travel you start to see other parts of the world yeah california's got great weather man because i bet i bet it was what like july or something when you were there or like uh august and it's hot that there's nothing like hot rain like you're yeah. wet and you're cold but it's like steaming and you're sweating <laughs> yeah well and it's what was just... wild about what was wild about like jackson mississippi is that i didn't realize that it was so swampy it's like fucking florida oh, yeah. swampy it's like swampy so yeah. um there's that and you would get 28 degrees because since we're peeing we're there at like 4 30 in the morning to set up so at 4 30 yeah. in the morning it was 28 to 34 degrees for the first two and a half hours and then at like 3 p.m. it was 75 degrees but like damn. a cool 75 you know but still mm -hmm. damp the air is just damp like all day and so it was just like 
uh, it was wild swings. So <laughs> yeah. layered, super layered, and then like so that way you can peel stuff off as it got warmer. And this whole yeah. movie, the the very last day was the day that we filmed inside. Like all day. <laughs> that we was your one that was full your reward, day. Like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> one full day of inside. But yeah, what, man. but but the coolest thing about it is that like you see what it takes to make a feature film from start to from start to like end. You see what it takes. Um, you know, you you see that there's five or six grips and electric people. You know, you see there's three people on the cameras working that. You see um, how the director, how the director with the costumings wardrobe works. We had pretty. Yeah. We had. Um, uh, David Duchovny was on set for three or four days, mm-hmm. so that was huge. Yeah, so like, um, so being able to like be around and watch that in real time was fucking phenomenal. You know, that's wild, dude. The, the kid himself was is fucking brilliant. It's gonna be a movie. He, he is a movie star, and, and he'll get. Uh, it's the kid from Pete's Dragon. I don't know if you've ever seen Pete's Dragon. I didn't see it, but I do remember it came out. Yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he, wow, he's going to be an absolute movie star. So it was, it was wild to see because the budget was close to, a, I think, a million bucks. So it was like 700 or 800,000, something like that. So like not huge, so still very small, but like right. – you can see all the things that happen and it's like, ah, man, this is what I want to be doing. But of course, in front of the camera, you see how people right, treat right. people talent wise compared to like anybody else. It's just so different, man. Yep. So as yep. an actor, you come in, you sit down, you chill, you get told to be mm-hmm. ready, like to walk up, you walk up, you do your stuff, you leave. And then you're just like, all right, right cool. That was it. And then like, <laughs> there's still four hours more of like, filmmaking happening <laughs> you know right what I'm exactly well and that's the thing it's like as an actor like everyone's always you know sensitive to you making sure you're in a safe emotional place no one's trying to like bother you or like you know but dude if you're a crew it's not that experience because i was a pa on different commercials treated like dirt even as a camera operator and like an assistant camera operator um i was actually talking to a buddy today the last thing the last day i worked as an assistant camera operator I believe was um, I worked at the studio and it was right after Ant-Man came out and Paul Rudd was like making the rounds with Evangeline Lilly. They're doing these, you know, doing these uh, press circuits or whatever. They showed up at the studio that I was working at and I was assisting camera and it was like, you know, maybe like nine people on the stage and uh, you know, they're, they're interviewing or or whatever. Evangeline Lilly's uh, microphone gets messed up. So audio goes over there and they, they fix your microphone and Paul Rudd just kind of looks up at me and he just like makes eye contact with me. And I thought in that moment, I just remembered every single time Paul Rudd is on Conan O'Brien, he always brings like the clip of the next movie he's working on. And it's always the same clip from this movie called Mac and me. Uh-huh. It's like cheesy. E. I know T. exactly ripoff. what you're talking yeah. about. Yep. <laughs> yes. So, so Paul Rudd like looks up at me during this interview and we're, and the cameras are not rolling anymore. We're done. But he looks up at me, and I just kind of had a moment, and I thought, should I say something? Should I not say something? And I chose to say something, and I said, so uh, is this the part where we show the clip from Mac and me? And he started laughing, and he like shook his head, came up to me after the interview, shook my hand. We talked for maybe 10 seconds. The day's done. I'm wrapping cables and putting everything away. 
I turn in my timesheet and the producer goes, Hey, can I talk to you real quick? And they pulled me in the office. And before they could even say anything, I was just like, yeah, I know. I know. Don't talk to the talent. I, I get it. I get it. And they were just like, yeah, we just, you know, we want to really maintain like a professional work environment, you know, uh, it doesn't look good. And I was like, I get it. You don't have to say anything. It won't happen again. I get it. And I got in my car and I'm driving home. This is like five, six years ago, whenever Ant-Man came out, I'm driving home and I called my wife and I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to keep doing this. This is ridiculous. I can't talk to people I'm working with. And so that's when I started taking act. I started really getting more serious about pursuing acting. So that was kind of dabbling with it before, which if you're an actor and you're dabbling, you ain't going to ever work as an actor. Right. You got to commit. Yep. So um, I started taking it more seriously. And oh my God, dude, night and day difference between the way actors are treated and the way crew is treated. Crew, I mean, like you said, working on the feature film, dude, that is a blue collar job. You know, when people yep. talk about, I think people hear that you work like, oh, you work, oh, you work in Hollywood. You work in TV, you work in film, must be nice and could, must be, it must be a cush job. Man, it is a blue collar job. Like those people are tough. Those people, it is a backbreaking job for grips, for any, the union guys too, man. The guys who work construction or the art department, man, that is a tough job. Electrical, holy crap, dude. Like that, that is a, that is a blue collar job. That is a tough job, man. It's physically demanding. It's one of those things I did not, I have never outside of doing construction with my family in college. Like I'd go down to Florida for the summers. Every summer I'd go down there and I'd work, you know, basically like before the sunrise to 8 PM. Like, so I'd be working 14 hour days doing yeah. manual labor and construction. That's what this was working as a PA. It yeah. was my fingers, nails were just gross with stuff in them when I get home or when I get back to the hotel, I would have less than eight hours total of not being on set or driving to and from set each night. So like yeah. less than eight hours, that means like by the time I got home, by the time I grabbed food, got to the hotel, I'm looking at five and a half hours of sleep before I have to get back up, you know, shower, get on the road to drive 40 yeah. minutes to wherever our next location was. It's, it's, you're absolutely right. It is a blue collar fucking like job. Yeah. It's a marathon, dude. To work on a feature film like that, that's great for four weeks in Jackson. Yeah. You also like, I'm not, I'm not talking trash about the South. Like my mom, you've probably met my mom. She's from East Texas. So that's like that. It's that humid part of the South. She's from East Texas. My uncle, who was a history professor at the school I went to at, uh, at Cal State Fullerton, uh he's from mississippi he's from hattiesburg and so um yeah it's it's but you start to realize like why so much of the film industry went to like the southwest desert where it's not humid where there's it's way easier to have climate control because man in in the humidity mm -hmm. it starts to wreck your equipment you know back in the days when they used to work with film oh my god dude can you imagine it would just degrade the film you know, it gets bad in a rainstorm. That is not where you want to have a bunch of lights. <laughs> that is not where you want to have a bunch of electrical equipment and no. film cameras. Like, no way, man. That's tough. And and again, for such long days, I don't know about you, man. When I'm in when I'm in extreme humidity, <laughs> I just think, how does anybody live? How does anybody <laughs> get any work done here? It is so hot. How do you have buildings? Who sat outside? Who who was outside building this? It is so hot. How did you not die? 
building. It's a hundred degrees out here, ninety-five percent humidity. I was super. Like, who the, lives here? The good thing is, it was, it was over mid-January to basically mid-February, so it wasn't. Okay. It didn't get because, and they kept the locals were like, "Oh man, come here in the summer. You know, it'll be ninety-five degrees." I'm like, "No, no, I've been to Florida. Yeah, no, thank you." <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but that was. I, I just I didn't realize the South was that fucking cold. A that like clammy, like yeah, all especially the time. right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, sorry. Touche. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry guys. Um, but it was not to laugh at that, but you know. No, of course not. And it was, it was, it was, it was. What was wild is once I once I got in front of the camera, I was just like basically a day player running around you know, with no lines, but just, you know, the camera pans on me a couple of times. And I, the, co- the cool thing is, is that like, I made friends with the, um, the DP. Uh, and so like, I was like, Hey, make sure you get like, and he was like, Oh dude, I'm, I'm catching like your face. I'm catching as much stuff with you in it as yeah, I can get. Put this like, on my reel, man. Come on. Like, Fuck yeah. <laughs> get um, me and David company in the same shot. If you can get yeah. you can just track over and get both of us <laughs> in one shot. That's my opening scene of my reel. In fact, give me a wink and I'll even, I'll, I'll provide some dialogue. And just ruin the shot but i'll use that for my reel. <laughs> yeah, exactly i have a really uh, funny so the the days that so the company was there early and then the, what i was ended up doing was late but i was able to uh, we have a really funny story so one of our uh one of the pas that was of course below me or under me in this he was we were in a uh a like local not forest what is it like wildlife in the city like you know they have this huge land area where Where you can can preserve where it's just like yeah yeah uh yep yes uh in the middle of this uh, in the middle of jackson it's huge very gorgeous there's like lakes and stuff it's right by the lakes and so we're filming down there and we can't we can't like tell people that they can't be like hiking or anything like that. Oh yeah, like, that's not yeah. where we can have the space, but we right. can't be telling people not to be there. But we're inside yeah, you a trailer. Can't, you, you you cannot stop foot traffic as a PA. That's what like a location manager told me that when I was on like my third job as a PA. Like, you know, you're in downtown LA trying to stop foot traffic. You can't do that legally. You have no authority to stop pedestrians. Correct. At all, but yes, you you act like you do, and then people are like, okay, uh, I guess this guy knows what he's doing. It's like, no, <laughs> if they don't want to stop, they don't have to stop. Anyway, sorry. No, just that's absolutely <laughs> right. But what ended up happening is we we're just trying to keep from like vehicles from coming through, or at least slow them down and like warn everybody that a vehicle's coming right. through. So we had one of our uh, PAs. He's a college kid, 19, 19 or twenty. I can't remember. And so he stops the car, the shuttle car, with um, Mr. Duchovny in it. And so the guy running it is one of our producers' runners, because it's low budget. So therefore, we have like our producers make running the big talent back and forth. And sure. he, he's he he goes the the producer says to the PA he goes, hey, let everybody know that Mr. Duchovny has landed and arrived. And the PA goes, who? And then he goes, Mr. Duchovny, David Duchovny is here. Let everybody know. PA goes, who? He goes, just tell everybody that David Duchovny is here. He goes, okay, okay, all right. And then David Duchovny leans forward and goes, well, he must not be a fan. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, X Files was before your time, buddy. Oh goodness <laughs> gracious! Uh, so it's just awesome. really must not cool. be a fan. <laughs> but he was super cool, like super cool. Um, yeah, the like it was one of the chillest sets to be on. You know, like because everybody talks about like nightmarish sets working and. It was, it, yeah. there was a couple days that were really tough. Um, we ended up filming in this, uh, basically a giant sinkhole that became a, um, a, oh, um, ravine type thing. Let me see if I can pull pictures. You can help me with the phrasing of what I'm trying to like cliff area. Okay. Huh. Like, so there's a road off to the side that fell in. And so okay. we walked down like probably 300 feet to the bottom of this to film in there. Cause it, it looks wow. like okay. kind of like uh, it looked like the wild west kind of. Um, yeah. And that day was horrible because we were two hours away from Jackson. Um, so we had long, long commutes, long days. Yeah. We had to trek all the way down equipment, heavy equipment. And there's no, there's no trail. So like we're, yeah hiking down and up right um and so that was that was the most difficult day and then our like yeah, second yeah. our second ad uh decided that she that she couldn't come in that day so it was just like this is going to be the most difficult day plus then two we're all of a sudden like <laughs> having like to she do had some insider trader she knew yeah. she's like <laughs> yeah. oh no I'm not. she looked she looked at the, the, the photo you showed me she's like oh wait yeah sinkhole in the bottom of a ravine we got to trek like, 300 feet yeah, yeah she was like oh, hard sick. Pass. Uh, yeah oh i got leeches on me sorry which was fine <laughs> but it was just like all, all of a sudden like a what was going to be a really difficult day became like an annoyingly difficult day you know yeah, like, yeah. um but wow. it's still Dang. like it's still I'm super thankful. And then the producer who I work with, he was just like, uh, I met up with him last night because I ended up uh, giving him back like his rain jacket that I borrowed from him, gloves, because yeah. I didn't have gloves in a, in a headlight. <laughs> so I had all this stuff that he let me borrow because he was just like, you're not prepared. And I was like, shit, I would have gotten wait, wait, Well, I'm just curious, what did you show up with? It was, it was January. So like, did you just bring like well, flip-flops been... and board shorts? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I hadn't been in LA since the first week of November. And so when I oh, got I didn't know there, that. yeah, so I had, I literally, no. this past week is my first week back. Uh, so I've been Whoa. gone for three months, just uh, waiting for the COVID number, numbers to come down. Plus two, I got my vaccinations, both of them while I was in Missouri through work. And it was easier for me to access work without traveling a bunch. That's what I was really worried about is like right. going to communities. Gotcha being on a bunch of flights instead of just staying still. And two, like LA basically shut down. So I said, fuck it, right. wait. No um, reason to be out here if, if, if and paying uh, $2,000 a month for a studio apartment. Uh, you can avoid it, folks. Correct, <laughs> <You're>, yes, exactly. <laughs> don't come yet. Give it another few months. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Let the industry start get going. <laughs> and that's what I'm thinking about now is just like, shit, what, what point do I just like sublet somehow for six more months and say all yeah. right i'll just dip for a bit and i'll come back whenever <laughs> things are a little bit on the other yeah. side of this um yeah if we had places to go I, i'm like this would have been the time to move out and pack up a public storage or something and just leave for like a year if we if we knew but you know as an actor you get these little these little nuggets of like 
potential jobs that come up and you're like, well, I got to be in LA if I get, if I book it. And then it's like, I mean, you know, the industry was up and down, up and down, shut down. Then it was reopened. Then it was like open too fast. They shut it down again, <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, let's talk yeah, about I, that. I let's you... talk about what you've been doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, in well, that sense, yeah. like, because you stayed in LA and you, how are you doing now to try to find jobs in the sense of bookings and that kind of stuff? Well, I'll tell you what, dude. Um, I actually, people have been telling me for years to get into voiceover. They've been telling me like, oh man, you have a great voice. You should do, you should do audiobooks or you should, you know, go out for commercials. I never took it seriously. I always thought that that was something that as the acting career in front of the camera got momentum, I would be able to just, those, those opportunities would just come my way. That was my own ignorance. Um, but with the shutdown back, I mean, dude, it's been almost a year now. Um, right. Wow, it's crazy. But with the shutdown. Technically, it is a year at this point. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. But. Um, oh, wait, no, March 15th or so, I think, was the techno. March, the... Yeah, right before St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think it was March. Yeah, you're right. But, um, but we're almost there. Yeah. We're getting close, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I decided, well, I started like doing some research on what can I do? Like, I, I really started looking for jobs that I could do from home. Cause I was like, well, crap, I, like everything's shut down. I can't go anywhere. And then I started looking at jobs like, okay, well, as an actor, what can I also do from home? And voiceover just kept coming up and voiceover, it, everyone was talking about how voiceover was just booming and blowing up. And I kind of had like started doing a little research with it maybe in like may i kind of like the the seed was planted that i maybe i should look into it more but it, it wasn't really until probably july or even yeah probably like july that i started taking it more seriously started looking into audiobooks um which like the the big website was uh acx which is audible i think it's audible creative exchange or maybe it's amazon creative exchange something like that but um I actually booked a couple of books. I did a true crime series, which is has not come out yet, called Most Infamous. Um, it's like an anthology of short true crime stories, all about serial killers. Um, I did I did that. I just actually just last night I just wrapped up a uh, a romance novel, which uh, was Ooh. so cool. I was it was so cool. I was working with a director with a director as well. And it was just so cool. Like I, I could slip into my little, my little audio booth that I set up and uh, I got to play one. It was an ensemble cast too. So I played one character. I just did my own voice, which is quite frankly, I was, it was so much easier just because that's one thing about audiobooks that I'm quite frankly, not great at going back and forth between voices. I haven't mastered that skill yet. That's, that's, that's something I need to work on. <laughs> but um, yeah, the book, the book I did last night was called, um, it's called the, the Arrangement. So it's the arrangement. I play a character named Xavier Knight, which Jeez. immediately I was like, dude, this that's, guy is in it. That's a great romance. That's a great romance novel name. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's so good. Cause I booked the job. I, I don't know. I think it was like like the the day after. So it was like <laughs> the day after all this stuff came out with um Army Hammer with all of his crazy stuff. Oh, and I was shit. and I was yeah. and I was well, and I was joking. I was like, dude, it sounds like he's basically like the dude from Fifty Shades of Grey. It sounds like he's, you know, yeah. the, the the Christian Grey character. It's like he's just into some freaky stuff, guys. And then like the next day I got this job and I was like, there's so many parallels to those characters. <laughs> I was like, well, Army Hammer, 
thank you for the inspiration because you were I'm you were my inspiration play to play Savior Knight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna eat you and not in a cool way. <laughs> but wild. yeah, it was yeah. So I, I wrapped that up and then um yeah, I've been I've been pretty fortunate to have I mean we shot greatest greatest fixations over the pandemic. Uh shooting a short film coming up uh starting uh in two days, starting another short film. And really been trying to stay busy, man. But really, like, the big thing is, is voiceover. I'm starting to get more and more serious about that, too. Because, you know, the problem is, the problem is an, as an actor is uh, getting a gig here and there is not, not the, the problem. It's the consistency, mm-hmm. you know? And, the, and I think that voiceover, you know, doing audiobooks, that is a potential path to take if you want to quit your day job. And it's a lot of work, though. I will say it's a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be, oh, someone hands me a book and words and I can just sit down and read and go for hours and someone will pay me. Yeah, in theory, that's how that works. But it's actually a lot harder than I thought it was going to be because, you know, you don't want to just sit and read and be monotone. You have to give some flavor and some character to it. And and then again, with the character voices, too. Oh, boy, I did one romance novel. It was pretty raunchy, dude. I did a pseudonym for it. I, I had to. <laughs> it was not safe for work, dude. Um, but yeah, it was I, like. Has, the, the, has the your character. wife been around, like listening whenever you're doing any of this stuff, and been like, "Hey, what you doing?" Oh, I I read her a cut my audition material for it too. I was like, just so you know, this is what I'm going for, and she was like, "Oh God." How many? How many names? That's a good that that's a good EP impersonation right there. By the way, I thought she was there for a second. <laughs> More eye roll. <laughs> did how many pseudonyms did you write down before you landed on the one you landed on? Oh crap, dude! Probably like twenty, dude. Yeah, like, no I knew lie. it. I, was I knew like, it. I was like, I was like, which one do I want that sounds less porny? But I was like, mm. but yeah, it was a the, the writer yes. creative in you. I'm like, no, there's no doubt that he like came up with one and was like, this is the one. It's like, no, nah, right. I have like forty here, and I'm going, which one? Yeah, yeah, it was not the first this. attempt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, but it's funny because it was like a pseudonym. You know, it's like you. I don't know if you if you've ever used a pseudonym for anything. Um, but like, not yet. you know, I feel like, yeah, not yet. Don't never say never. Yeah, exactly. Only fans coming soon. Starring <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> Tom Central, which is the name of my first cat. And then the road, I was, the first street I've done. I love that you brought that up. Cause that's pretty much the Uh-oh. logic I had behind all of my student. It was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, there's going to be an inside joke in here somewhere. If anyone wants to do any investigating, they can figure it out. But until then, um, yeah, that's pretty much the path I took to when it came to brainstorming a pseudonym. So, but yeah, I've, I've been, I've been, you know, trying to stay busy, but you know, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been tough. I don't blame any actor or artist if they've been non-productive during this time. It's been, it's been, it's been a difficult time to stay active as an artist. Well, and but, for, um, for me too, it's very similar in the sense that like. I feel like the last year has been an absolute waves where it's like super creative, like super spike and then just huge valleys of like nothing, you know, and then like coming like rocket out of it for a bit and then just huge gaps, you know, where it's just like shit, man. Like I don't feel like being productive. I don't, I can't like, 
there's nothing creative happening. And a lot of that, I think, too, is a little bit of like the turmoil that turmoil that like the country itself was in. And so a lot of people were wait, like totally. bearing that weight. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I mean, you know, yeah, like <laughs> not to go too off the rails on this. But yeah, after I mean, dude, after January 6th, I was I was kind of like in a dark place where I was like, what am I what am I working so hard for? Like, what's going on? Like, I just I definitely took I mean, I, I'm like you, I kind of go in in you know, the industry was going in waves. I was working in waves where I, I kind of tend to sprint for a few weeks at a time, kind of get burned out, take some time off, mm-hmm. and then sprint, 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 take some time mm-hmm. off. Uh, you're kind of catching me in the middle of a sprint right now. But I bet you in like two weeks, I'll be like, oh, give me a week off. Let me just, I just want to relax and watch and binge watch some TV. Um, but yeah, man, I I, uh, I actually did another friend's podcast uh, called I wrote you a story. I don't know if I'm allowed to plug other podcasts on your. No, please your do. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What is it so, called? So my, my, Say it again. It's so it's called I wrote you a story, and it's by uh, it's Chris Sheffield and his wife Stephanie Sheffield, and every week they have guests come on, and the whole concept is um, they pick a theme and they pick an element and they write a short story. So either Chris or Steph will write a short story, and it's between like um, like a thousand two thousand words long, so it's a short short story. And then the guest will write a short story as well. And they both have to have the same theme, the same element. And uh, I can't, I went on there as a guest and the theme I got was a heist story. So, so the way, the way it looks is it's, I wrote you a dash story. So it's, I wrote you a, and then my episode was heist story. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went on there and uh, I kind of told Chris and Steph on the, on the episode, I was like, honestly, you know, if you guys asked me to do this like a week ago, I would have given you such a different story, but it was like January 10th or something that we, we uh, oh, recorded the God, episode. Yeah. And so my, my, my story was pretty dark, man. It was pretty, uh, you know, it was pretty, which, you know, I mean, you're talking about the guy who wrote bullseye. <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. You know, so I tend to, I tend to lean towards, towards dark stuff, but I was definitely kind of like, yeah, man, I think, uh, I think I've got a little bit of a, a little, a little bit of a dark side coming out and it was dark grungy. I kind of, I don't know. I kind of channeled like that, that Michael Mann style, heist you know like heat or uh or thief like that grungy dirty high story um but yeah yeah man it's we been, can find I, can we find you on that now is it up and and posted? Oh yeah, it's it's up and running yeah, yeah so yeah if you if you check out um i wrote you a story you can you, you can follow them on instagram or facebook um and iTunes, then my episode is, is it on itunes spotify those oh, kinds yeah, of things across the board so itunes spotify um all those like uh what's well, what's the one i want to say spitzer but i know that's not right what's it called there's i mean there's, <laughs> there's podbean there's uh podbean there's anchor uh, anchor yeah uh it's a cr- yeah it's it's on it's on i, I think it's across the board it's it's on like because the, yes yeah, because they they they've hosted it across every plat like pretty much every platform yeah but um yeah you just type in i wrote you a story i was episode nine heist story um and yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a great podcast. It's so much fun, but most of their stories are definitely, they tend to lean more towards like fantasy or like action adventure. And then they bring me on and I'm like, let me tell you a dark, sad, depressing high story, story about a high story <laughs> about the American working class getting screwed over. You know, it was just like, it was, it was just dark and, and, uh, you know, I, and it, I, and the, the the element was twins, so I had to take place in the Twin City. 
the Twin Cities, like post uh, George Floyd. And it, again, it was dark, man. I was like, you know, it was like during the protests of George Floyd. And it was just like, yeah, I just channel all, all that dark stuff that's been going on over the quarantine. I was like, let me put it all in one <laughs> short story, all in one. But um, yeah, it turned out well. And I mean, they were they were really happy with it. But uh, but the truth is, as a, as a creator too, man, it just, it's so dependent on where you are where mentally, you're at yeah. mentally mm-hmm. at that moment, you know, and they asked me to do this thing. And it was like, I had a, <laughs> I had like about a week to come up with a short story and, and show up and, and, and narrate and narrate the story on the episode. And I was like, crap, like I need to commit to something now. And it was like a day or two after, you know, January 6th. And I was like, well, crap, like I'm just, I'm not going to try to make this chippery and fun because <laughs> it's not going to be that. So just leaned into, the, I leaned into the darkness. So I leaned into the darkness. That's got to be yeah. some, that, that's, there you go. I hope write that down because that's got to be a line in your bullseye and another episode of, of, of bullseye. Hey, you know I what? leaned into the darkness. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say that line. I'm going to look to the camera and I'm going to wink and it's going to be for you. Aww. And then I'm going to say, you must not be a fan. That's going to be for you. (laughs) A special thanks at the bottom to Lenny Hernandez. Oh, goodness gracious. (laughs) Get me on there and kill me. That's what you do. Call me up and I'll just die. I'll get. Oh, I'm I'm planning. planning. Yeah. I'm planning on bringing my friends and and whoever I can bring in and just like, we got to get a lot of, a lot of bodies in here, man. He's, he kills a lot of people in bullseye. So so there's, you get like 12, you got to do like a John wick style. You need to call like 25 people over and just go through 25 (laughs) bodies in one, in one city. It's like, it's just like, bodies on bodies <laughs> you know i would if i had more friends but <laughs> it might, if i did that it'd be like the same like wait i saw that guy get killed already it's wait that guy got killed. wait he just shot that guy in the head he just then he's stabbing wait what's going on it's like what wait, is that the same why does lenny have a blonde wig on in this <laughs> yes. this is don't make no sense right right exactly like you're not fooling anybody you just change jackets <laughs> you're the same dead guy you still have blood on your collar from before when you died come on <laughs> oh shit um yeah, how man. has um because i've i've it's been auditioning in the last few months have has been completely different and i mean i guess it has totally. been in, in in the last year but everything is online and virtual and um you're submitting uh self tapes constantly yeah. now what has that change been how has that change been for you i mean i guess you 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 talked about you you molded into the the audio stuff have you still been self submitting tape wise oh yeah t- dude tons um and you know the thing is with self submitting too it's like or or with the self tapes we were kind of doing self tapes before as actors uh-huh. so it wasn't like a huge leap uh-huh. but everything shifted to to uh tapes to self-tape and in fact actually just <laughs> what day of the week is it on so three days ago i had my first in-person odd uh, callback first in-person callback in since since march since the 2020 started. yeah since the yeah Q since the Q. Oh man, you're making it hip. I never heard it called the Q. I'm gonna call Q. it the Q. I'm gonna call it the Q. <laughs> Rebrand that. <laughs> Hashtag Q. 
Hashtag Q. No, I feel like that. I feel like if you do that, it'd be a different Q. <laughs> yeah, that's getting a Q and two characters. Yeah, that's only two <laughs> characters. It's uh, the pound sign and then the Q. So it's yeah. Oh, maybe don't we go, say, don't go down that road. Maybe we spell it C U E. Hashtag. Uh, see, that's too complicated. That's that, then you get all the the, the Q ball pool fanatics who yeah, are going to exactly. be like, a, yeah, man. What I'm is on, this? <laughs> that's that's how they sound. <laughs> That's how I imagine all pool players or billiards player. Ah, ah, yeah. We're shooting pool over here. Hey, come on over. We're shooting pool. Hey, kid, you from Jackson? What accent is that? What is I, don't, I, don't I gotta know. work on it, man. I gotta work um, on my accents, dude. Because uh, well, it's it's wild because I, I have found myself submitting, of course, through tapes all the time now, which is annoying. But also, like, right. I'm glad because I can start making things wildly me, you know? Yes. But it's both positive and both, like, super negative because uh, I was just talking uh, to some people that I met on set last week because I had booked a commercial. Um, and that's the only reason why I came Congratulations, back. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, awesome. thank you. Yeah, and so I, I booked a spot, and that's the only reason why I came back last week was because I needed to be in SoCal to to be in person on the spot. But I booked it <laughs> in the hotel in Jackson, Mississippi. I recorded it late at night, no like way. on a Tuesday, super fucking exhausted after a 14-hour day, recorded it, submitted it, and then, you know, two weeks ago, I got, I got called saying, hey, you need to hold these dates because we're you know you're one and you're we're putting you on a veil and then three days later they're like we need you here on these dates wow but, but anyhow what's wild about it is that like i'm starting to question and maybe you have an idea or opinion about this is like i'm starting to learn how to edit and produce my videos my self tapes to be like many little movies like i had an i had an yeah. audition the other day where it was a cop um on a stakeout and so what i did is i ended up going to my friend's house who has his grandfather who recently passed away his like 1970s like uh vehicle and so we fucking got in the car and since it's a stakeout like there's no movement but we set it stagnant through the you know i'm driving and then my Hell person's yeah. on my right in the passenger seat we shot it just like that like that angle. I did my slate yeah. normal, but then I shot this angle and I was just like, all right, this is either going to go over well, or they're right. going to be like, fuck this guy. <laughs> you know what, dude? Can I tell you? So like, I love that you did that because you hear casting directors, you know, and act, I mean, hell, even acting teachers say this, where like, they say, don't use props. We just, it's about you. It's about your performance. We just want to see you. Yes, that's true. But you know what, man? Sometimes putting a production together like that is a very bold choice. And if it's going to a producer or, I don't know, say a writer or writer-director who wrote, wrote the material, I think they appreciate that extra effort. I think they see that and they're like, okay, this guy took it seriously. All right. He made, he, he took some extra time. Like, It's way more interesting to see you make a short film version of your audition than to see someone standing in front of a blue screen just saying the same lines, you know, like, and, and I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's an advantage or disadvantage. It totally depends on who you get, but you know what though? That's how acting is anyway. When you submit to something, it's a roll of the dice. You might be cast or not cast for something totally arbitrary that you have no control over ever, you know? Right. And regarding self tape, man, 
I love it, dude. I'm not, listen, we live in Los Angeles. Well, you, you welcome back to Los Angeles, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> but but li- living in LA, dude, come on, man. I don't miss sitting in traffic. Let's be real. That's I don't true. miss it at all. You know, like now, now I can pretty much just, you know, instead of driving to an audition, we worry about when we book the job. Right. And I'd rather worry about that because, man, I don't miss driving in traffic and sitting an hour in the car, parking, paying for parking, waiting an hour, reading for five minutes, leaving, sitting in traffic for another hour. Like, dude, with, with Zoom or with the self-tape, I mean, dude, you just throw up a, a sheet and then set up your camera and you go. You go. And you're, yeah. you're good to go. Well, and that's one of the things so, that I've, I've just been questioning in, in – my own stuff is like, well, at what point am I overproducing my self-tape? But also too, every time I've gone like wildly like bold, like I've booked more stuff from being wildly bold than not. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and so th- this this audition that I did was like this, the, uh, it was a, the spot was a flight attendant, um, navigating you on being uh eating edibles so if you're in illinois <laughs> all right in april right up your alley dude <laughs> exactly if you're in if you're in illinois in april uh and you're thumbing through your phone you will most likely see a spot of me t- telling you how to properly eat edibles uh, that's awesome dude <laughs> so um but i was super exhausted so i bet i looked high as fuck in the Bro, in the as soon as you said it, I was like, "That you know, you working a fourteen-hour day and being exhausted totally played to your benefit, dude." Exactly. You're probably like droopy-eyed, like dude. slow speech, slurred speech, like. Hey, My balls were man, just because it was like it was day four, I think, of that week. So I, I, so it was like the fourth day of the five days, and I know I was just yeah. like I was so beat, and I was just like I'm trying to muster up through it, so I look tired, my eyes are bloodshot, and I was just like this right. fucking helped me, like even though <laughs> totally. I didn't mean Use for it. it to, it <laughs> definitely helped me. I uh, and I'll tell I'll tell this story. I booked a an O'Reilly spot um, Damn, two dude. years ago. No, not not recently. This was two years ago. I booked this O'Reilly spot, but whenever they sent me the tape to audition, it was four characters sitting in a car. And so um, they're like, just pick a character and read it. Because they didn't they didn't fully know which one they wanted me to read for. So they're just like, pick one and read it. And then we'll go from there. And I was just like, you know what, fuck that. I'm gonna play all four parts. So I ended up Dope, dressing yeah. up four different ways and then doing <laughs> yes. it, four different hairstyles, four different voices, <laughs> and then cutting it together quickly and submitting it. I booked it. And then they're like, here's this full script. Pick which character you want to play. Yeah. Literally, Holy that's crap. what no happened. Way, yeah. And so Holy I was shit, just like, dude. oh, all right. Well, so like every time I've been bold, you know, I've gotten a little bit more. But also too, like, I feel better about it too, because I'm just like, fuck it. Like, this is me. Like me doing this is me. Like, I, It's easier to get into person, uh, into character if I'm like sitting in the car and I'm like right. worried because we've been driving around for hours. It's just easier for me to get into that, that mindset for that. But I'm, right. I'm interested to know like what other actors are doing because I, I ended up posting this clip, right, of me in this car. 
Uh, yeah. or no, no, no. It was a different one. It was a different spot. No, never mind. It was a different spot. <laughs> I would love to see that audition, dude. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not terrible. And I was just like, I'm really happy about it. I'm proud of it. But I did another one that I posted, like, just a clip of it on my Instagram. And a friend of mine that I did a gig with, like, three years ago, who follows me and I follow him, he was like, hey, I auditioned. I submitted for that last night as well. But I didn't do anything close to what you did. Like he was just like, I had a completely different interpretation of what to do. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be good or horribly bad for either right. of us or both of us. Well, you know, it's funny because because as, as an actor, you all, you know, you always, whether people, whether people want to admit it or not, you want to stand out from the sea of submissions. See, that are, dude, so many. Yes. You know, so like anything you can do to stand out, go for it. I'm all for it, man. You know, yes, it's about the performance. Yes, they want to see if you can act, but you got to stand out somehow. And also making the short film too, if nothing else, you're having more fun doing that. So if you are rejected, you don't get it. As long as you're having fun, man, I'd rather have fun doing it than I'd rather have fun doing the audition and not book it than to just like follow the so-called rules Mm -hmm. and and just you know pray to the acting gods that maybe this is the one maybe maybe they like my choice you know i i really that one line i kind of i kind of went up on the end and made it made like a question you know there wasn't a question mark but i made it a question i thought it was gonna be cool like you do these little tiny things that you like nitpick and then dude it's so much better to just like go all out and like i'm just gonna make a short film (laughs) and just go for it i kind of dude i kind of did that i just had an audition a couple days ago um I didn't go, I didn't do what you did. I didn't make a short film out of it. I did still kind of like stay in the box of like the audition self-tape uh, scenario. But um, it was to play William Clark in a Lewis and Clark TV series. And um, there was three scenes. And <laughs> man, if I book it, oh man, you know, if I book it, fantastic. So I'm going to try to not, not. I'm going to choose my words carefully. Let's, let's say that. Let's say that. Um, but the, the, the casting director, it's just in Montana too which would be kind of badass. But um, the casting director just gave me the scenes and he, all I got from him was, he said, all right, do this scene, do each of these three scenes two different ways. That's all I got. And so I did each of the scenes, you know, one way where I was like, okay, this is probably more appropriate for William Clark, like ex-army, uh, you know, early 1800s. Like, I'm going to do it that way. But then for the second takes, dude, I I think at one point I channeled my inner Christian Bale from American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> at one point he's he's again, I'll be careful about what I say, but one one of the scenes he's, you know, he gets sick and he's like about he thinks he's about to die. Dude, I had so much fun with that crap. I was using props. I was I was using I, I have my my old trapper hat, which oh, I thought, where is it? Oh, it's in the other room. I put on my trapper hat for one of them too, which by the way, <laughs> like it's an Elmer Fudd style trapper hat. It is not appropriate. It's not era appropriate at all, but screw it. Who cares, man? Like, you know, you gotta have fun. You gotta have fun with it. And like, let costuming worry about that, let, but work with what you got. Like, you know, you hear stories all the time about people who break these rules and book these jobs. Like the fact that you recorded that one audition in a hotel room. I don't know if you've heard this. I've never seen the audition, but I, I heard that, uh, that Kit, uh, Kit Harrington, is he play? He, he's Jon Snow? Harrington, mm-hmm. I think, right? Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I, I heard that for his audition for Jon Snow, he was in the back of a taxi and just like recorded the audition on his phone. And 
sent that in. That was the audition he sent in. So like you have street noises in the background. You have the, ta the taxi driver's probably like, what the hell is going on in the back seat? Like you have all this, these other distractions. That's what I've heard. I heard that he recorded in the back of a taxi. That's wild. Could be bullshit. Yeah. Again, could be bullshit. I could just, this could just be a rumor that I'm, you know, perpetuating and it's totally garbage, but I heard he recorded it in the back of a taxi and he sent it in. That's what he got. You know, he, he, he got Jon Snow and like, let me tell Who you, knows? can I tell you, a, 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 this is a horror story ish, but it's wild. Um, sure. <laughs> the, so probably four months ago or so, um, I get an audition and it's all via zoom and, uh, it's at a time that I was like, okay, cool. I'm on a flight an hour and a half after my, my time or I'm, I'm, I'm on a flight, like I'm at the airport and I'm about to do the Zoom audition. So they, they pull me up and you know how like Zoom works, you can put everybody in like the waiting room and then they call everybody in one at a time. So right. whenever I get there, I'm the first one called for the like 20 people that they're gonna put in the waiting room before they start having people in. So I'm like, gotcha. okay, fuck, like I'm about to board a plane in about 35 minutes. So what's the yeah, timing yeah. on this? And so, since everybody's called every five minutes after, but they want to put everybody in the waiting room, I'm sitting there for 35 minutes or so before they get to me to call me in. So I'm literally walking down the aisle, sitting down. And whenever I get to the person who's casting, we're one-on-one -on -one like this. And Holy shit. I'm sitting down at a, literally sit down on a plane and she like the person who was doing the casting, it was a it was a a female, and she was just like, she was like, um, what is going on? And I was like, I'm boarding a plane right now. And had we did this audition 40 minutes ago when my time was slated for, I would have been able to do this outside of a plane. Instead, yeah. I waited for 40 minutes to get in. So this is what it is. She's like, Do you want to you want to like reschedule? I was like, no, it's now or never at this point. Like I've waited right. on Zoom for 40 minutes. on the plane for five hours. Do you want to reschedule for five hours from now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what I was like. I was like, do you want to reschedule for five hours from now? She's like, no, because we won't be doing that. I was like, I know exactly. So let's do it then. But it was, right. it was wild because it was like, it was some kind of commercial where like you're playing with a, a, a screen in front of you, like a fake screen, like a futuristic right, right. screen. Oh, yeah, and yeah. So, like, I see where this is going. I literally you put had it in one my in front lap. Of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I put it in my lap and I was just like, because I had one in front of me. I did not get called back for that, which I'm not shocked at all because I, you know, the her, her face, <laughs> dude, her face, whenever I popped up, she was mortified by what was happening. Like, to, like mortified slash like pissed like that. Like I, I, I cannot do anything about it. Like I, if you would have done this 40 minutes ago, which when my time was uh, slotted for 40 minutes ago, I would not right. have been sitting on a flight <laughs> as they're saying, Please fasten your seatbelts. We're about to take off. Right. And I was like, ah. Well, and the fact that you were the first one in, you know, it's like there's no excuse for that at that point. It's like don't don't do that. That's just that's just. I get when auditions, you know, run over and you're you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty minutes past your time or whatever. But like you're the first one in that Zoom meeting. Like hell, you could have probably started early. They were probably just sitting there like right. chatting it up yeah. and having uh -huh. a drink, you know, just no, shooting the shit. That. Yeah. But it was Quite just frankly, so it, well, I was gonna say, even though you didn't get it, <laughs> and maybe she was mortified, 
maybe she was just in so much shock that her brain had to reset because <laughs> it was so it was so not what she was expecting for the first audition yeah no so, I mean, like, it was probably a combination of all that yeah like like you think i'm gonna throw you uh a fastball bitch here comes the change up oh here comes a curveball <laughs> just take that so you know what i bet i i bet you did stand out and i bet that it probably wasn't as bad as you think too. Like it probably, you probably were maybe at least a contender over some of the other people who were just like, again, playing by the rules and just, you know, at some point just blending all together and, yeah. you know, 50 different people become I one hope, face. I'm sure that she's got, has that story or she will have that casting story forever. And then one day I'll run into her telling it to somebody <laughs> else. And I'll be like, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's so I, you know, honestly, you didn't do it. I honestly, you didn't do anything embarrassing. I think you did your job. I think that shows commitment that you're like, yay, I'm on the airplane, but I still want to show you my job. I still want to show you my work. Correct. I've done the work. Yeah. Can't help it that I'm in an airport. Like, mm -hmm. I live in the real world and this is on Zoom. <laughs> like, what do you want from me? Right. Like, you're either going to see me at the airport at my job or in my bedroom with my cat on my lap like what do you want you know so well, i don't i don't it was wild because yeah. like because we were, again i was one of the first ones in the waiting room and they they had 15 20 people waiting like every few minutes somebody else popped on and then the person at the waiting room was like oh you're blah 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 okay you're checked in you know just wait and then we'll send you guys in in the order that you arrive and so like yeah. i'm there and every so often i just people are like oh this is so because it's at the very beginning of like zoom auditions so like, right. So people were like, oh, this is wild. I'm like on my patio, like doing this from my patio. And so I'd pop on and be like, <laughs> I'm at an airport about to board a flight. Can you beat that? And they're like, oh no, no. Are you literally <laughs> doing this from an airport? I was like, yeah, yeah. We're 20 minutes past my call time and they're calling my boarding uh, group. Yeah, yeah. So if we don't get to it in <laughs> soon, I'll be on this flight. And they're like, oh my goodness. I, this is going to be wild if you like, they all were like, this is going to be nuts if you book this and we see you Dude. in this spot. And I was like, fuck, I hope. That would be amazing. Dude, if, if, only, if only the back, like the setting of the commercial was an airplane. Can you imagine? You'd be like, that's how committed I am. That's my commitment. Top that. I, I bought a, a plane ticket. Yeah. I booked a flight and I scheduled it for my audition. Like, is... oh, the, the, call, the, the audition is at eight o'clock. All right, seven thirty. I'm in line boarding. All right, <laughs> here we go. Book me, motherfucker. I'm, this is yeah, a, right. this, this pays three hundred dollars. Well, I just spent a five hundred dollar <laughs> round trip flight. I will go in the hole. That's my commitment. <laughs> I will go in a financial hole. I will be financially irresponsible. That's how much I want this job. Um, I want that's it. awesome, though, dude. <laughs> See, I, again, though, like. As an actor, though, if I saw someone doing that, my first thought is, wow, this person's committed. Like, they did not reschedule. They're making it happen. Like, because as an actor, you're distracted as fuck being on an airplane with all the crap going on, trying to get in your seat, trying to have people putting their luggage around you. Like, dude, if you can act with that going on around you and with the, the I, I guess, the, uh, the perception of you amongst all these people who are like, what's going on with this guy? What's, who's he talking to? Is he, he's talking to his, what, what's going on? Is, is he on a video chat? Like, he, yeah, yeah, about yeah. to take off. Well, because um, remember, you had to be masked up at this point. You had to have all this oh, stuff. Yes. And so, like, I had to, like, pick the mask off that, for, for oh, a brief God. second and be like, we got, <laughs> like go like she was just right. like oh like do we need to i was like no let's um let's let's do it right now like do, do oh we need time and i was like no let's do it <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like, oh my like, god, okay, yeah. Ear. You're just like, yeah, I just did. I had like it. barn door, like, all right. I did. Just... That's what I did. I barn doored it. Like I put it on both, and I like did the thing. And it was like an eating. It was like an eating a bagel type spot. So like, oh god. So you had to, or cracker or whatever it was. So you had to like do these things, and then you had to pick grab up some something peanuts and, and, yeah. and just grab some flight peanuts. Just, all right, <laughs> airplane peanuts. And <laughs> Chomp then, you know, away. And... Yeah. <laughs> I think too. I, I have yeah. a feeling too. I was in the. um emergency uh the exit row too so i think like somebody was hovering the lady was like hovering like i need you to say yes that you can form all the, you can help in case of right. emergency and i'm just like yes sir can you can you please put your chair up and um also put your mask Best back on because yeah. we are and also airplane mode by the way you're having a clear you're using your data on the zoom call <laughs> Airplane mode, you've so many violations. Should we just move him from the, the emergency row? Like, I don't think he should be in charge of this, the safety of the people on this flight. <laughs> Which was um, absolutely wild. Have you had any kind of crazy, uh, outside of using your a pseudonym for this uh, audio book, have you had anything wild happen like that in, in the last year? Or is that, um, is that, might, that might be the, which that, is a wild that, that story. Was, that you're yeah, doing yeah, a not yeah. safe for work audio books. Oh, like, oh, you know, I'm shoving my <laughs> erect hard penis right in your mm. throbbing, whatever it is. I, I wish it was that elegant, dude. I wish it was that, <laughs> oh, that glassy. <laughs> no, it was, it was, uh, dude, it was, uh, I didn't, and honestly, I didn't commit to using the pseudonym until like I was 90% of the way through it. And there may or may not be a foursome scene. Just saying. Are you playing all four like, characters? Yes. Oh, yeah. What's I was, I I was you. It. I was you in that commercial playing all four parts of the O'Reilly commercial. Did you like, <laughs> did you do anything? Did you dress differently? Did you like do, how, how did you create the four different characters? Did you like hold your mouth and try to like make a different voice? Did legit. You, like, uh... Le legit. Well, so I record in like a small, in like my, uh, like a small closet space. Of course. That yeah. You really don't have a lot of room to move. So mm -hmm. I would literally just do like, I'm not kidding, dude. It would be, sometimes it would be like just raising my eyebrows and turning my my head like slightly away from the microphone mm -hmm. to play a different character and then just yeah i would do it, it was all body language that's one thing i've learned with voiceover too dude act with your body because yep. trying to just stand there or sit there perfectly still and go through the it just doesn't work you gotta you gotta go big it's like you see those I mean, God, you see like the best voice voice actors like watch robin williams oh my god watch him play uh the genie holy mother of god that is wild to watch man they have video footage of him doing it and he is exploding in every direction he is so big it's like it's almost bigger than the actual genie like in aladdin it's just insane <laughs> so uh so yeah dude i definitely use as much uh you know as much body language as i can and you know i mean if you're in a big dramatic scene like again i have a very small closet so i'll occasionally smack the walls and hit the walls and go ooh, ooh, we, we record that you know um but yeah that's 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 one story uh i was gonna ask you too just go back a little bit for the feature film was that your first feature um you've done so, a couple i think right oh no yeah i've done i've done i've been in features as okay as an actor as talent and so I hadn't right. done the, and, and my friend produces all kinds of stuff. And so like, usually he'll call me whenever he has like a, he needs me for one or two days, like max to do behind the, if it's behind the camera stuff. There's one time where yeah, we yeah. filmed at the, the little 
the little sky place in the middle of LAX. You know that like that used yeah. to be a restaurant that's that space. So we it's, filmed. It looks it looks like someone took the space needle and just like cut the legs off. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. exactly. Yes. Yeah. So like <laughs> um, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. We so we there was one time where he was recording there and it, they had this crazy stipulation where like every 15 minutes you went over time was an $800 fee. So like oh. yeah. So he he called me and basically was like, I need bodies to just put all the equipment in and then just to take all the equipment out. So I was there for, you know, 14 hours purely for the first 90 minutes and the last like 45 minutes or hour because we got everything wow. out faster than we got everything in. But like, it was, he was just like, I, I'll pay you 200 bucks for the day just to like run everything in, get everything out. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. It was like, cool. So I've done that for him. Um, and of course I've been in I've, as talent, I've been in stuff, um, commercials and, uh, right, right. Not, I've not dabbled in the VO stuff. I guess I need to get get into oh, that. Baby. But I do, you know, oh, I do the radio show here. L L A. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, dude, you're doing, you're doing your radio show. You're already in voiceover, baby. Yeah, no, I gotta, got I, it, I gotta figure out how to like de- drop this voice and have just the sexier voice. Like, gotta go real, real low. I hope that was one of the lines in your not to work. Oh, I wish. Actually, I, bet, I bet it was. Um, I will well, fist I was, that b-hole just so <laughs> yes. hard and vigorously. Uh, yes, uh, yes. Uh, was it sounds yeah, too? Was it like that? Oh, was it like? Are there like sound effects? Like, you saying? <laughs> like, like, like old Batman and Adam West. Pow! <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Zing, bing. No, it wasn't like that. Uh, uh, <laughs> but again, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was the, it was the, the longest I had worked production ever four full yeah. weeks it was 20 21 days or something like that in four weeks it was the most i had done like that and it was it was just absolutely grueling and grinding oh yeah, yeah. oh i i i hear you dude like the most i the most i've ever done consistently on one project because I, I i have never well i'll say this i had never done a feature film um but the longest i had worked before was the first short the outside paradise the first short film we did it was two weekends back to back so we had like friday saturday sunday four days off to prep for the next weekend and then friday saturday and sunday but it was like we shot out in joshua tree we shot out in uh imperial which is like southern california like it's like 100 miles east of san diego right on the border with mexicali mexico and we shot out there we shot this apocalyptic movie which I feel I've, I have mixed emotions because on one hand, the production design looked awesome because there's so many abandoned homes out there. Mm-hmm. So it's super sad, but also <laughs> kind of awesome for an apocalyptic movie. Got to be honest. So it worked. But um, yeah, that was the longest. That was, a, that was the most time I had committed to wow. any. How many days was that? One production. That was six days total six of days, actual yeah. shooting days. Well, I, I guess we've, we actually we were on a web series together. That was 10 episodes, I want to say. Nine episodes? I thought it was closer Are we to even six. allowed to talk about it? I feel like they're kind I of secret know. about it. I don't know. And that's one of the things. So going through Should we your... use a pseudonym? Should we yeah, exactly. A pseudonym for it? So going through your um, reels, I was just like, this motherfucker has footage from that. And I, I asked for I that, that months ago. <laughs> I asked for that months ago. You know um, what? Our, our mutual friend who was the creator of it I think it was three years after we shot. I was like, "Hey, man, uh, what's the status? Like, do you, mind, do you mind if I get some footage?" And he was kind of like, "Yeah, I'm trying to sell it. Like, I'm trying to like kind of keep it close to the chest, keep the cards close to the chest. I can't really put it out there." 
and I kind of guilted him. I was just like, dude, it's been three years. Like, give me it. I, I just, yeah. I, I'm not going to spoil the plot. I just want to take like 20 seconds of material and put it on a reel. Ah, see, and he's like, I he's should, like, yeah, you're right. I should probably do that. It's crazy because I'm well, working with him. Him and I are trying to launch a a a, a podcast as well. Um, oh no way! Knows, okay, yeah, know he that. knows he knows people that are very interesting on what his wife. The rock and world. roll podcast Correct. right i think i heard him yeah. talk about it yeah okay cool man so we're, right yeah we're working on that um i'm actually supposed to be editing one of the episodes last weekend which i did not get to um gotcha, gotcha. but editing man is a giant pain in the ass it Ugh. is it, it, when it yeah. comes to sound and trying to make it sound great you know it's a, it's a pain in the ass um, i've learned way more than i ever thought i would ever learn about audio production in the right? last are you months. having are you having to cut any of your stuff together? What are you what are you doing? Are they I, I do, yeah. So I mean I always yeah, I always well, I'll say this. I edit most all my stuff. Um of course the last audiobook I did where I played, you know, Army Hammer. Oh, I'm sorry, Xavier <laughs> Knight. For that one, I uh You know what's a great that, uh, pseudonym? Army Xander Hammer. Knight. No, Army Hammer. Yes. It was take no, you should spell it slightly different. Just spell it slightly yeah. different. Right, um, A-R-M-Y, Army Hammer. Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, he'd be so pissed. So I'd pissed. be like, if I could, if I could, you know what, if I could work on that impersonation, I would just do it in his voice. <laughs> just do that for all the raunchiest romance stuff and be like, well, are you shocked? Really? Well, I bet my so, sales would go through the roof. Through the roof. Can you, <laughs> is there, wait, wait, what, what letter is like silent, like, like bomb? Like you could put a B in hammer, like H A M B E R. Yeah, so it'd be I, like hammer, but it's still hammer, yeah. but hammer. No. Yeah. Like do like a weird German thing that's H A E hammer. Like army hammer. But no, the reason I asked you about the feature was because I had never done a feature before. I've auditioned for features, but. The, about two or two or was it one week ago i think it's two weeks ago i shot my first feature as as talent hey as talent we, we were the talented ones everyone else just <laughs> what are you no, just i hate no. i do hate that it's called talent i feel like it's, it's just so oh i, I don't it's know snooty, I just feel, right it's super snooty and i wonder if it, yeah. it, it has to be something some kind of verbiage from i bet 40 yeah. or 80 years ago you know i think beginning. it's something I, right well i think it's just to make us feel better because it's like all right talent's here guys and then it's like you do your job then you shoot and then you're back to your restaurant job the next day you're like oh yeah this is, <laughs> no one's kissing my ass at this job so they're like all right we'll just call them talent like let them be on top of the world for a day and then they'll go back to reality tomorrow um but so no, tell us like, about this fe- the feature that you just filmed yeah so it was my my, my friends uh rob and bryce harrow both uh both filmmakers i've worked with them before uh well i've worked with rob before uh, like uh, on on crew for, for we 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 did this short film Sin Frontieras, and I was a producer on producer on that. And me and Rob, we had never worked together before, and we just hung out. We we, we shot that one down in Imperial as well, Imperial uh, California. And dude, we he was such a he was such a trooper, man. Like I picked up an RV from I want to say Burbank, and we drove this RV for the film shoot. We drove it all the way down to Imperial, so like two hundred miles away. And he's in the passenger seat, keeping me company. We were just chatting up and having a good time. And dude, he's awesome. He's such a, he's such a good guy. So anyway, Rob and Bryce Harrow, they wrote this uh, 
like Jody Hill, Danny McBride style, raunchy comedy. The best comparison would be like Observe and Report. Mm-hmm. If you ever saw that, like that's like probably no. the biggest. Uh, it's, I know those people like, though, and I know those yeah. those personalities. So that's so like that style of comedy where it's like the characters are all kind of like, uh, I want they're flawed, aka they're all kind of jerks. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all they're all they're all a. Uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. I was like, what's the nice way to put it? No, let's go with that. <laughs> They're all kind of jerks. You know, they they all, I mean, the whole concept is the main character owns a bike rental shop in Venice Beach. And of course, a rival bike shop is just opening up and they hate each other. And so they get revenge on one another. And it's just absurd. It's just like these guys take their revenge too far. You know, it's that kind of goofy <laughs> comedy. Yeah. Um, but but both of them, like, they, they, they decided like, I remember we did a table read back um i want to say it was back in like april or something and then i got i got a random call from them back in like october and they said hey man uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna just go for it we're just gonna get started kickstarter and try to raise money they raised like twenty one thousand dollars on kickstarter damn um and they shot a feature film in 10 days actually nine and a half days because the first day their bike rental shop which was the primary location uh that one location fell through on the first day and so they were like trying to figure out like what the hell do we do we, we lost our main location so like they just sent the cash and crew home figured it out the next day they had a new location and they just they went for it and they did it and dude how many I pages? Thought that was so uh it was like 100 100 pages get the fuck out pages. of here in nine nine yeah. days yeah dude, it was wild they, they knocked it out of the park too man it was it was i will say this the script was funny but seeing it on set i was only on set for one day too but seeing what they were doing on set and seeing the other actors' choices, it was so much more funny than I thought it was going to be. You know, it was it was one of those. It was like the script was good, the script was funny. I was proud of them for making it, and then I saw them on set, and I was like, "Oh crap, this might actually be a really successful comedy." Who knows? Damn. You know, you never know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you never know with any of that stuff, which is wild. Yeah, movie making. Yeah, but it was, you have never, you have no idea. You don't, well, you hear it all the time. People are like, you know, they think they're making like some garbage movie and it makes no sense. <laughs> you know, like you hear that about like Star Wars, you know, like, like Mark Hamill. What was it? <laughs> he was like, he, he's admitted like, dude, I don't know what was going on in this script. Like, I think I'm a ninja, but I'm also <laughs> like a farmer. Like, what am I supposed to be? Like, I'm a samurai and a farmer. Like, and then we have laser swords. I don't, what is it? Um, so you, you hear those stories all the time where like the, the cast and the, the, the crew are, just have no clue if it's going to be a success. Like you think it's a success. If you think it's going to be a wild success, it you almost know it's going to, gonna, yeah, it's exactly. going to go the other way. Whereas if you think it's garbage, uh, then at least you have like a low bar. So <laughs> maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised to set your expectations low. But, um, but yeah, so we'll see, man. I, I think that I've not to jinx their movie, but their movie's called Afternooner. So afternoon, hilarious name. Um, oh, it's so good. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the for the best. Like again, what I saw. I mean, I thought that the cast Any idea brought, that's it, gonna come brought out? it. Uh, no just, idea. Just, so if you just filmed it last week, so that could be a year from now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, they, I think they're giving themselves. So they finished filming about. I think I shot two weeks ago, and I was on day four of a ten day shoot. So I think they wrapped like last Friday. Or last Saturday they wrapped, and then I know they're taking a week off because they just did like that sprint, yeah, that marathon slash sprint. 
both, which is how filmmaking is. Like, You're right. If you could just sprint your marathons for <laughs> 10 days straight, that's what filmmaking is. Um, so they did that for 10 days. They were exhausted. So they're like, okay, we're gonna take a little time off. And then they're gonna get, gotta get into post-production, start uh, putting that together. And who knows, man, hoping, hope, hoping it goes far. You know? Well, it's and that's more typical than what like this film that I just got off of. We were every single since I knew the producer and I was basically setting up his office every morning. He was showing me the edits from the day before because like the director knew somebody from back home in New York who was an editor, and so he was every day they were sending him the footage from the day, and the dude was editing it that night. And so the morning of, we were getting cuts from the day before of what we shot. What was so it was yeah. fucking nuts to like walk in and then uh, the producer, uh, my friend, he would just be like, uh, "Oh, do you want to see? Do you want to see yesterday's footage?" And I was like, "Yeah, I want to see it." And it's like, yeah. oh, here's a forty, you know, forty-five second to two-minute cut of what we filmed yesterday." And it was like, "Damn!" Because and I, <laughs> I, I ran because I dropped off all this stuff last night since I'm back in town. Uh, and he was like, yeah, we, there's a, there's a first cut entirely done already. And I was like, damn, dude, we just got off that two weeks ago. Yeah. That's, I was gonna say that, that sounds almost like those like 48 hour film festivals that people do that. It's like, they shoot the footage, hand it off to the editor. The editor gets, gets to work while they're like getting the new cast and shooting a new scene. It's like, they're just, it's a constant cycle where no one's like, someone's always working right. on something. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, and then we, I found out that the, the guy who, the people editing it basically were homies of the director and said that we only have this window before we go back to working on something else. So they're like, you, All right. you have to give us the footage quickly and effectively so that way we can edit it and be done with it before we go back to our other gig. Yeah, uh, yeah. So like, <laughs> which I'm sure I the producers friends. were like, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm sure the yeah. producers were like, yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. You're, you're gonna edit it right away, and we'll have a movie by the time we leave Jackson. Like, sure, yeah. here you go. Oh, goodness um, gracious, I'm really glad that we got out of there when we did because it was the two days prior to the just polar vortex that eclipsed the entire Midwest. Um, oh, I was literally on to come back for that gig. Um, I was driving in Missouri to the airport and it was blizzarding during my drive. So what should have been a 75 mile, 75 minute drive took almost three hours because I oh, was damn. going like 40 miles an hour tops <laughs> to get yeah. to the airport. It was absolutely oh, yeah. nuts. Well, my, so my family's uh, a good chunk of my family, my mom, my brother, uh, they're in San Antonio down, down in Texas, which it's like, Dude, they they show me pictures and video. It it looked like Christmas morning in a Christmas story when like all the cars and like the streets are just packed with snow. It was nuts. And I mean, Jeez. people people are saying that like Texas has had temperatures like that like 35 years ago. There was a crazy cold storm like 1986. It, it happened. But um dude it looked i was like when i heard like 35 years ago i was like uh don't you mean like 10,000 years ago during the ice age like what are you talking <laughs> about like this looks like it was it looked it looked you you would not have believed it was texas if you saw the pictures which you know Jeez. i mean they're all over the place now but it was just crazy like it was just their their power was out my mom was calling me and she was she was like yeah they're doing rolling blackouts 
Um, oh, and it was supposed to be like every horrible. like, it was nuts. One, it was supposed to be like you know to save the power and like you know the the grid was like overrun, but it was like they would do the rolling blackouts. Like it was something. It was it was supposed to be like every couple of hours or every like 45 minutes or something that didn't last long it started they went like 12 13 14 hours with no power uh, in a chunk and then they'd get it for like three or four minutes they'd charge their phone for a little bit and then boom, car the power would go out they'd like be back in in you know lighting candles and everything and they'd like to like go to their car start the engine because it was warmer in your car yeah, Just that's turn the I car heard. on and start the engine. I heard a lot of people yeah. were doing stuff like that, where they were like, they're hanging out in their car for four or five hours a day uh, to, to like charge their phone and stuff. Yeah, yeah it was like you know. And just because it was warmer, and like my brother, like uh, I was like, "Hey, how are you guys doing for water?" And he was like, "Well, I finally got cases of water from HEB, which is like one of the big. It's like it's like a big like uh, not like a Walmart, but kind of like that. It's like a big mm-hmm. uh, chain." Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "I got a bunch of cases of water from HEB." Um, piggly, but they piggly were wiggly like the piggly yeah, wiggly yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yes yes but they they were like he was just filling up his bathtub with water just in case because they were like well who knows when this is going to end Jeez. and the system just shut down so quick yeah. they were like all right cool and, and all the water is uh all the water pumps are electric yeah so, so oh just no they yeah. were like couldn't run water couldn't couldn't take showers couldn't take baths so and you know he's got two kids so he was like this is he was like really freaking out yeah he was like this is not good but um yeah i was he was filling up his bathtub to to have potential water that they could boil if the electricity came back on on their electric stove and i was like bro i feel like you're in like cormac mccarthy's the road right now i think you're not (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you live in america right now well you don't live in our america right now oh yeah um anyway that's wild well, let's. Yeah, uh, I, we're 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 getting close to winding down here, Preston. So let me ask you a question that I end up asking all of my guests usually whenever I have on, is, oh, what is nine inches? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's from my that's my palm from the tip of my uh, yes. index or my uh, pinky finger to the tip of my thumb. Uh, that's the, the yeah. Uh, yeah, I I, I measure flaccid. this way, but yeah. I don't know if that's you it's know. girth. Well, um, yeah, yeah. Think, think three giant coffee cans stacked on top of each other within a wad of uh, a bag of tennis balls on top of it. That's what. Uh, mm, gross. I'm thinking about it now. Sorry. Mm, not safe for work. Pseudonym. <laughs> Tom Damn Central. You hammer. <laughs> yeah. Damn you. Coming up again. Um, but what is something that you like? would tell yourself or advice you'd give yourself if you could go back you know 10 years eight years ago like what's something that you would be like hey preston do this you know like maybe somebody like something you'd tell somebody who's coming out of college and they're interested in doing kind of the same thing that you're doing what's something that you would wow that's a that's a very deep question sir um i like to i would say yeah yeah so you know what i would say like oh i just i almost missed it i was so i was so deep in thought for what i was gonna say that i almost didn't listen um well done (laughs) no you know what i would say Uh, you know i would honestly say don't waste your time trying to just get a job in the industry because there's really no job security in the entertainment industry I don't care if you're a PA. I don't care if you work in accounting. I don't care. You're essentially working a freelance job from gig to gig to gig. 
Um, if, if you want to just work in the industry, go for it. Like I, the, we need those people in the industry, you know, like people who work in accounting and work the 40, 50 hour a week jobs, um, in the office, like they're, they're the engine that allows the machine to keep running, mm-hmm. but the creative types, the writers, the directors, the actors, they're the gasoline that makes the engine run, you know, which is why they cycle us through the engine and then they go bye, see ya and they get, get into a can of gas. But, um, I would say don't waste your time doing something you don't want to do if you can, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't just take, don't just take a job because you're afraid of what might happen if you don't take that job. Cause I'll tell you what, dude, I've, I've almost, almost, well, I don't say always, there's been more jobs that I said yes to that I kind of didn't want to do that. I almost always ended up regretting right? that I took those jobs. Um, so don't feel like, don't feel like, don't feel any pressure that you have to do it. And also don't feel any pressure. Well, here, here I'll tell you what, here's a huge piece of advice. It took me a minute to get there. Uh, <laughs> here's, a, here's a huge piece of advice. Don't compare your success to somebody else's. Cause if you want to compare your success to someone else, um, look, look at Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise or one of the other Toms that are, I'm sure really, really rich. Oh. Uh, yeah, look at that guy, you know, Spider-Man, a British Spider-Man. <laughs> Damn right. it. All right, he did a good job. But um, you, there's always someone who's going to book more work, who's going to get paid more money, who's going to have like more quote unquote success. Don't compare your career to them. You know, like I think, I don't know if you've experienced this, but look, I'm in my mid thirties. And I, I feel like I'm always playing catch up. I look at the people who started when they were like on, you know, on Disney. We can't right. catch up to those people. Right, those people exactly. that are, you know, have been working for 20 years and since they were, you know, 15 years old, 10 years old, can't catch up to them. I mean, Christian Bale played, he, he was, his second movie was an Empire of the Sun, a Steven Spielberg movie. You can't compare, you can't catch up to that. Right. So don't feel like there's a time limit because there's, there's no time limit on your dreams. You know, that sounds really corny, but it's the truth. Like, there's no, there's nobody no said that date. yet. Nobody has said that yet on my show. So look at that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Br- laying down nuggets of wisdom, but there's no expiration date on your dream. If you want to be a screenwriter, you want to be an actor, you want to be a director, you want to be a filmmaker, you want to make movies or whatever your art form is. You're, you're a musician, you're a painter, you're whatever your art is. There's hundreds of different types of art. There's no expiration on that. You know, um, uh oh my gosh I'm I can't think of her name right now it's a, she's a country western singer I want to say oh my god it's uh I won't I can't even say it I can't think of her name right now it's dro- I'm dropping I want to say Patty Smith huh I forget I'm not the gonna, I'm not anyway. gonna know a country singer there's no there's no way I would know I, I, I would I would not know I don't listen to country music myself but um. I, I think it was Lucinda Williams. Damn. Anyway, whatever. But um, some country wildly different who's... names. Yes, I, I can't Patty think Smith of it. Smith and Lucinda Wilson. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Lucinda Williams. Williams. Um, I can't. You know, I'll shoot you a text when I figure out who, who the hell I'm talking about. But I heard an interview with her on NPR, and she was waiting tables until she was in her like mid 60s, and so and she just always wanted to be a musician. She didn't start until she was like, it was either her, I really should have done some research. If I only knew this question was coming, it was either her, I think mid sixties. Now that I say that number, I'm thinking, was it mid fifties? Anyway, she was, she was no spring chicken when she started her, her music career. Um, 
yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no expiration date. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, he'd been doing, he'd been doing theater for, you know, 15 years or whatever. He didn't really blow up until Pulp Fiction. Right. He was 44 years old. Right. You know, and, I just watched I mean, his masterclass. Oh, dude, I'm so, I'm so glad you did because I was I I loved that masterclass. That yeah. was, first of all, didn't know he had a crack problem or was yeah. an alcoholic. I had no idea, but his story about how he was cast in the piano lesson, the August August Wilson play, mm-hmm. and it went to Charles S. Dutton, mm-hmm. and they asked they asked Samuel Jackson, "Hey, do you want to be an understudy?" And he sat in the back and just listened to Charles S. Dutton read all or perform all of the lines for the character that he had that he felt like he had created and he just sat back there listening Charles S. Dutton read these lines and Samuel Jackson was just in the back smoking crack getting drunk <laughs> and then oh, and then when Charles yeah then when Charles S. Dutton well by the way have you finished the master class right I have not I'm, I'm like t- no oh, no okay. it's okay because hey, I, uh, I assume spoiler. that's towards the end because I've watched I've watched seven out of ten of them or six out of ten of them I think so i Okay. Um, well, <laughs> still spoil it though, because it's great. It's been great so far. Well, okay. Well, I wish I could. Well, even if you had known it, your audience might not know it. So I'm spoiling the crap out of it oh, for, for somebody. But, Most people um, aren't going to yes. have master class. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Such a, so we're going to give bougie, you the free master class. Yeah. Right? Such a bougie fucking <laughs> platform. Yeah, we're gonna give you the. I'll just give. We should just have a podcast where we just do like a summary of all the masterclasses. <laughs> just like, hey, don't oh, no, pay they, 180 bucks a year. Yeah, they'll we'll shut us everything. down. Yeah, they'll shut us the, down. The cliff notes of masterclass. Um, but yeah, so so Samuel Jackson talked about like you know he was just like depressed and regretted taking that job to play the understudy for Charles S. Dutton. Basically, what happened was Charles S. Dutton was shooting Crocodile Dundee, and they were waiting for him to come back. From Crocodile Dundee to give him that role. They were just basically waiting for him to come back. And, and Samuel Jackson was unaware of that. And then mm. he was offered the understudy role. He took the understudy role, listened to Charles S. Dutton play this role that he thought was his. And then Charles S. Dutton ended up getting nominated for a Tony Award. The night he was nominated, Samuel Jackson got so drunk, he passed out on his his kitchen floor, woke up to his wife and his daughter screaming and crying. He went in, he went to rehab that day. And that was that was like late eighties and he's Man. been sober since. Um, One so of the yeah, biggest anyway. things I, I took away. Well, so far what I've taken away from him is the fact that like he can read something two or three times and have it memorized. And I'm just like, I'm so jealous. Of Me that. too, dude. That is such a crazy skill. Like I, and he yeah, was just I like, wish. I don't, he, and he, he also talked about how he doesn't read anything out loud until he's in front of the camera. Unless like he's mm-hmm. having to rehearse like Tarantino stuff. He said that he had, they had to do a, a month's worth of rehearsal before they got to set, but like everything else, right. he just doesn't read out loud until he's in front of the camera. And I'm just like, God, mother dude, I, right. I don't do that. I, I, I have to do it out loud, dude. Cause otherwise I have like, to. yeah, it's, it's almost like a muscle memory. It's Correct. like, you just yeah. want to like, you want to go through it. If, like, even if you, <laughs> even if you don't understand what the words mean yet, Right. It's nice to just kind of go through the motions and just, mm-hmm. and you can see where, what words are going to trip you up too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes words just don't flow very well. You kind of just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to discover that in the audition. <laughs> exactly. You know? I need to hear myself <laughs> say the words out loud. So that way I'm not startling myself whenever I'm like saying something. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, dude, seriously. Um, so yeah, those were two things. I kind of forget the two things I gave you, but there's two in there. I believe. Oh, the two, the two, yeah. Uh, no timetable on your dreams and don't waste your time doing something that you don't want to do. 
Yes. And then the third, I would say. Oh, there's three. Okay. Oh, I thought you had. Oh, I thought you gave me three. Sorry. No, 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 no. Just uh, whatever. Okay. No, anything. If you've got a third one, do the third one. The third one, I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna steal this from my my friend Chris Sheffield, who's the director of of the web series that I'm on, Halos, Horns, and Tacos. He said this. He put it so simply, and I'm just gonna carry it with me forever. He said the secret to getting work in loss in the industry. The secret to getting work is do good work, be a good person. That's it. That's it. Do those two things. Because, well, I don't need to, I don't even know if I really need to explain. No, but you don't at all. Yeah. Do good work, be a good person. Because this is a very small industry and people talk. People talk. And they talk if you're cool to work with or if you're terrible to work with, they talk. But you got to be both. Because if, if you do good work, you might get a few gigs, but as soon as your your movies aren't selling or, you know, I don't think you have a very long career if you're not a good person. Right. You know, and I mean, if you're a good person, but you do lackluster work, it's also the same deal. It's like, if you, you know, no one wants to work with someone who's lazy because when you're doing 12, 14 hour days, the last thing you want is someone who's lazy and just there getting paid. Right. You know, that person doesn't exactly. get called back. Yep. So, because then you end up working extra hard for that second AD who didn't show up that day <laughs> when you were shooting the ravine. But um, not throwing shade on her. I don't know who she is. Don't know her. But um, but yeah, man. So yeah, those those are. It ended up working out. But boy, it was annoying that day. That 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 day was obnoxious. Don't waste yeah. your time doing things that you don't want to do. No timetable on your dreams. Do good work. Be a good person. Preston. That's right. Gear. Here we go. Thank you very much. Find him on where, where can we find Bullseye? And where can we find you, can find you as Brutus in Halos, Horns, and Tacos? Well, so we're still, we're still filming Halos, Horns, great, and Tacos. Uh, uh, asphyxi- how do you say ex- Oh, gr- Great asphyxiations. Asphyxiations. Great. So you can see, actually, you can see the two episodes of the first two episodes of Bullseye on YouTube. Just type in Bullseye. The man who never misses, or type in my name, Preston Gear, um, and it'll pop up. But uh, Grace Fixations, it's still in the film festival circuit, gotcha. so it's okay, not available so just yet. Just not yet. just right. yet. But it'll be va- hopefully va- available for people to see soon. And then Halos, Horns, and Tacos, we are still filming. But um, check out the website. Check out it's nine uh, T the let the number nine letter T K I D Z. So it's nine T Kids. Uh, studios i believe 90kidsstudios.com you can see two different projects that we're uh we're, we're currently working on right now in i see well right now yeah in development so halo's horns and tacos is one of them another one that i that was that was that that my friends are working on is another feature film had my call back on monday we'll see i may or may not be involved i hope i am fingers crossed but uh yeah they're they're, they're going for a feature film right now as well so we're sending you vibes. Um, Where can we find you on the social medias? If people want to follow your, are you? Do you do any of those? I do. It's probably best to find me on Instagram. So just it's just at my name Preston Gear. So at Preston Gear. Um, G E E R. G E E R, not yeah. G R E E R. There may be a Preston Greer out there. <laughs> I bet he gets called Preston Gear all the time too. Yeah, that fuck that guy. Yeah, exactly. That guy. Yeah, how does it feel? 
feel my pain. Um, so Preston Gear, G E E R. And uh, also, real quick before I let you go, my wife and I are, have a podcast as well. Oh, so shout out to that time, thing. Yeah. So by the time this airs, people should be able to hear the first two episodes of What's Your Movie, which is a podcast where I have my selection of movies. My wife has her selection of movies. We've chosen movies that the other one has not seen. And we pull these movies randomly out of a hat. And we, and whoever hasn't seen the movie has to try to guess what that movie's about. And then we take a break. We go watch the movie. We find out how wrong or how right we were. And it's actually, <laughs> it's actually quite fun. <laughs> well, you guys are great people. So, so I'm sure that's going to be very entertaining and fun. Yeah. Uh, Just to give you a little like a scope of how different our movie choices are. The first two episodes, which will be out by the time this is out, I'm sure. Uh, or this episode is is out. The first two episodes we chose for the first two episodes of our of our podcast are the Deer Hunter and Thirteen Going on Thirty. <laughs> so just just to give a little scale of how different we are, I can kind of uh, guess whose movies is whose. By the oh, you you you. Uh, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you can. All right, Thirteen Going on Thirty was me. Yeah, Damn exactly. It. Yeah, exactly. All right, that was my choice. Uh, um. Preston, cool. thank you very much, man, for being here. This was absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, so thank you, man. Until next dude, time. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Until next time, dude. Well, hey, man, best of luck. And uh, damn, keep booking work. You're successful, man. Wow. It's been, I, if I can keep this up for this year, this would, this could be life changing. I mean, not really, but kind of. Yeah. Well, best of luck. Good. I'm sending, sending good vibes to you too, sir. Back at you. Till next time, buddy. Thanks so much. Catch LLA live Mondays from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on the Tastemakers Radio Channel. LLA is created by Guy Gardner, hosted and engineered by Lenny Hernandez and Jake FH. You can find LLA with Jake and Lenny on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. That was fantastic. All day Lenny.